Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Jones! Bowden! He's got it! England have won the World Cup by the barest of margins! Stokes flashes it away through the covers for four and England have won the match! Hello, welcome to the Analyst Inside Cricket. It's a damp Monday morning, there's a tube strike, the pageant is over. But, Eureka, England have won a test match. The first in ten attempts since last summer at Headingley against India. So the new regime of Brendan McCullum and Ben Stokes have begun with a much-needed victory. But, Simon, it could have been so different. One ball from Colin de Grondome, which dismissed Ben Stokes, but was then adjudged a no-ball... And everything would have been different. Absolutely. And you, you look at that test match, it was like both sides made their, their best, absolute best efforts to lose the game. But ultimately, Joe Root's great innings won it. I mean, he was the one that sort of took hold of the game and, and won the match for England. Fair play to Daryl Mitchell and, and Tom Blundell as well, because they batted magnificently. And you, you could argue in those circumstances, perhaps on a pitch like that, with the bowling attacks that we saw in the last uh, four days, that... You know they deserve to win. That that partnership deserved them to win them the game. And New Zealand were in such a strong position. They were two forty-four runs ahead with six second innings wickets in hand. I mean, it's it's a bit like you know how do you lose a Test match from there? In the same way you could have said it for England. You know how could they lose a Test match when New Zealand were forty-five for seven? So you know, both sides were in sort of strong positions at one stage or other in the game. And ultimately, you know, the fact that well, there was going to be a result one way or the other, one team had to come out on top. And actually, on the final day. It was never really in doubt, was it? In Root and Folks played really well. Splendid innings from Root. And Ben Folks uh, supported him to really advance his case as well. Because I think he's un- he was under a little bit of pressure after what happened in the Caribbean. And the fact that, you know, there's Butler lurking in the background. Johnny Bairstow, could they give him the gloves and bring Brook in at five? It's something we've talked about. Brook in magnificent form. How do they get him in the team? But Ben Folks caught a couple of good catches and played a, a, an absolutely vital innings. But I think New Zealand will look back and think, well, that one got away from us. But if England had lost, they would have equally said, well, that one got away from us as well. But the magnificence of Root, it's the same old story, isn't it, really? It's its not quite Root or Bust, but its it's been a bit like that uh, for England in recent years. Yeah. And incredibly, 
brilliant innings. Of course, his first 100 in the fourth innings of a test match, which is an extraordinary thing to realise, actually. Out of 2,600, he's never made one in the fourth innings. And I think it, it just cements in a player's mind their value to the team when they can get home and get the team home and they're not out. Uh, you know, it's one of those things that I suppose it's the, the ultimate realisation of someone's uh, true ability. You know, um, sometimes sports psychologists divide up players into different categories and they talk about players who can deliver under intense pressure or circumstance. And for someone like Sachin Tendulkar, for instance, made very few hundreds of those many hundreds that he made in Test cricket. He made very few in the fourth innings. One, of course, famously was that hundred in Chennai after the terrorist bombs when he saw India to victory, chasing quite a big target against England. And he sort of commemorated that innings to the Indian nation. Uh, obviously, Joe Root didn't exactly do that this time. But it, it is that certification of greatness, I think, if you can see your team home with a not out hundred and almost half the runs as well. Uh, so, well, it, it, again, we're running out of superlatives for Root, really, aren't we? Absolutely. I mean, it has been the same old story in the, in the last few years. He's just been batting superbly. What, what did he say after uh, yesterday's innings? I love batting. Uh, and you know, it clearly he does. And he's, he's exceptionally good at it as well. I, I, I mean, there was a lot of talk yesterday about, you know, is he England's greatest uh, batter? Ben Stokes said he's one of England's uh, greatest batsman ever, and Michael Vaughan said, you know, all, all round, he is England's greatest batter ever. I suppose one thing you would say about that, he's never got an Ashes 100 in, in Australia, and, and the Australians might look at that and say, well, hold on a second, how can you, say, you know, you've sent down many, many players over the years, and quite a few of them have got 100s in Australia, and, and Joe Root hasn't. I mean, that's one thing that, I mean, he was desperate to correct in the winter. He got, got close-ish on occasions, but he, he's not done that. So that's something against him. But you're right. I mean, you know, a fourth innings a winning hundred. It's, it's probably not surprising, actually, that there aren't so many fourth innings hundreds, just statistically, because it's just harder, isn't it? It's harder to score in the fourth innings than it is in the first or the second or the, or the third innings because you're batting under a lot more pressure. Also, as well, you're not always chasing a big score. So you're not always looking at 300 to win or whatever because... And, you know, so your your chances of scoring 100 in, in the fourth innings are more limited. You, you're you're going to get a, a chance in the first and second innings of a game in the, in the way you're not in the fourth uh, because you, know, you might be 100 to win or or, or whatever. You're, or you're batting first and third in the game. So statistically, it's perhaps not surprising there aren't so many fourth innings hundreds. But I mean, it was a it was a superb innings. Mm. Total control, yeah, it, uh, I think. Yeah, total control and, and finished in a in a blaze of shots actually as well but 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 beautifully executed shots i mean there's there's so much poise and balance and uh, almost deftness about about his shot making isn't there the the swivel pull and the the lovely caress drive and i love the way he just guides the ball back with a point and people will say well that's a shot that gets him out of course it does sometimes but the his the skill the dexterity with which he steers balls wide of that point fielder on the offside and picks up runs and it is about the tempo he bats at although he batted for what five or over five hours you know that hundred came up in 150 balls mm. so you know he's got a good scoring rate as well which is so important for for England um, because you know vitally he was able to maintain that tempo so that England didn't have to face the second new ball chasing that target of 277 you 
I think also, and you pointed it out earlier, Ben Folks, a really good innings that. An innings of purpose, and I suppose the, this is also the root effect. When you bat with Joe Root, there's two things that happen. One, you see the the fluidity, the flow of his play and the way he, he works the ball around and, and sees the gaps and, and penetrates the ball through the infield. But also, you get the strike off him as well. He's not someone who is a, a block or a four, and therefore you never get much ball receiving. You know, you get plenty of opportunity to face the bowling with with Root as your partner because he's so dynamic. So that that undoubtedly benefited folks and rubbed off on him because he played a similar sort of innings. You know, and actually, I just love as well. Again, going back to Root, the way he uh, just manipulates the ball off different bowlers. So against Southie, he was standing largely on leg stump and looking to hit through the offside. Against Jameson, he was shuffling across to to the offside occasionally when there was gaps on the leg side because they packed the offside field and just nudging little, little dinks into the leg side to pick up singles. Not extravagant movements around the crease, just subtle movements just to enable him to manipulate the ball where he needed to. Jeremy Coney was making the point that he didn't feel New Zealand bowled particularly well or he didn't think their tactics were particularly good on the final day as well. It was a tense, potentially tense final day, 61 to win, five wickets left. If, if New Zealand got a wicket, they would have been right in the game, especially if they got one early on. But five, four fields, were they bowling one side of the wicket? Probably not. So that you know, it opened up the ground. And it also meant that, I mean, if they had bowled one side of the wicket and packed one side of the field okay you could have tried to manipulate the ball into the leg side say if you had a 6-3 offside field you know, could could they have dried up the scoring rate so they could have got through to a new ball I mean the problem is they couldn't stop England scoring England just ticked it along ticked it along and they never got you know, close to getting that new ball really in, in a sort of damaging time you know they needed you know you needed to take that new ball with sort of 30 left didn't you 35 if possible but, but England were always ahead with that scoring rate and Stokes you know was able to help them with that with the way he played and then Root you're right it was a it was a quick hundred I mean, generally he's reasonably fluid, but it was a quick hundred by his standards. I was interested to hear you say that you know he that 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 shot he plays outside the off stump, that back cut. Actually, that was the one the one ball that nearly got him out was trying to play that cut shot. It was a bit too close, just went past the inside edge, just past the off stump, through to the wicketkeeper. Actually, dropped the ball because in Australia it was his downfall, wasn't it? That that ball in the channel outside the off stump. You know, he tries to open the face, tries to run it away. They got him out many times, and so the Australians will be saying, "Oh yeah, all well and good." Uh, you know, scoring off the Kiwis. Uh, they, I mean, they do tend to sort of look down their nose at the Kiwis anyway, because the last time the Kiwis came over, they beat them 3-0. And, you know, they think, hold on, World Test Champions, uh, we beat you lot 3-0 in our backyard last time we played you, and we, we actually thrashed you three times. So and they'll also, you know, they might also say that about Root as well. You know, OK, it's all very well and good rattling these hundreds out, but come and get come and get one in Ashes series. But, you know. Yeah, no, that's a fair that's a fair point. And it, it is different playing in Australia. There is more bounce, there is more zip off the pitch in, in many of those surfaces. So you do have to play a different way. And he will, the next time he goes back to Australia, he will have to adapt to that and look to score slightly different ways, perhaps hit more down the ground rather than that flirty shot, which works so well in lower bouncing conditions. The mm. one where he kind of caresses the ball back with a point, which I was talking about earlier. Very good shot in English conditions when the ball isn't swinging and seeming. Uh, in actual fact, it's not such a good shot as opposed to play from the pavilion 
Indian end at Lords, where the ball naturally comes back in down the slope, and that's what got him into a, a little bit of trouble uh, yesterday in in that innings. But but overall, uh, he's he's good enough to be able to adapt to to conditions. I, I was quite interested to hear um, Ben Stokes talking after the game uh, and uh, uh, sort of almost talking about the the vindication of. England's new positivity under McCullum and himself. And of course, its positivity is something to be admired, but it isn't something to just take on as a universal ploy. I think England still need to think more clearly about when to be positive and when to suck up pressure. It's not all about gung-ho, let's play shots and all that. It's, it's, it's sort of... You know, actually, I was thinking back to um, the 2005 Ashes and when England came out all guns blazing in, at Edgbaston after the losing at Lords, and it worked there. You know, they got well, I think 400 in a day, yeah, and sort of took the Australians on. And sometimes, when you have a team like Australia who are so dominant in that era, you do have to kind of fight fire with fire in a way. But there are lots of teams around now who are more patient uh, that you do have to grind down. And uh, I think England still need to be adaptable. It's no good just saying we're going out to open the batting, Alex Lees and Zach Crawley, and we're going to look to, you know, be positive and take on every opportunity to score. No, it depends on the conditions. It depends who's bowling. It depends on the circumstances. I thought actually they made a reasonable fist of it in the second innings of this game, but I'm still not convinced by that opening partnership that they totally recognise which shots to play when. And that's the key to batting. Yeah, I mean, there were some sort of traditional pluses as far as England are concerned, weren't there? Broad and Anderson bowled well, wickets between them in this test match. Uh, They dragged England back into the game on on the third morning with a new ball. Joe Root, of course... Ben Stokes with the way he played in the second innings with, with that half century. So those are sort of traditional pluses. They, they, were, they were the ones we'd become used to, so used to over the years. I mean, there were sort of a couple of new pluses. We mentioned Ben Folks and, and Matthew Potts as well. Wickets in the game, six wickets in the match. I thought he had a, you know, he looked good, didn't he? He, he, looked, he yeah. looked the part, you know, straight away. Uh, you know, often mm. it takes a, a cricketer a while, you know, perhaps to get into a test career. So certainly perhaps a, a batter, bowler. I suppose you've got more opportunity, haven't you? You can bowl a wayward first over, your nerves settle down. You, but actually he was right on it uh, right from the start. So he, he was, a, he was a, a, a new plus, if you like, and folks was a, a new plus. And it, it, it seems a bit unfair in a way to go looking for, for minuses. But they were in, in that batting order, uh, you know, apart from... In that top six, apart from uh, Root and Ben Stokes, there, there are still some question marks and still some, uh, there, you know, there, there will be, the, the microscope will be on certain aspects of that. Certainly the England uh, top order and, and Johnny Bairstow as well, just come back from the IPL playing a few extravagant shots. It's interesting actually, Ben Stokes, uh, after yesterday, saying he actually praised Bairstow, didn't he? He said, that's how we want Johnny Bairstow to play. We don't mind, you know, another half an hour of him and, you know, to taken the game away from uh, New Zealand because he, he did come out playing strokes. So anyway... Bairstow's got a couple of hundreds recently. You know, there's no concern there. Uh, but it is, I suppose it is going to be that top order that we're going to be looking at for the rest of this series. Mm. Yeah, uh, um, Bairstow's hundreds that he made recently were, I'd say, a bit more circumspect. And he's still, at the moment, batting as if he's in the IPL. And it, it, I, I just want to see a bit more caution from him. He can still play those big shots, but just get in first. And, you know, you going back to what you said before, 
the, the, the issue is we're still talking largely about the old guard delivering, aren't we? Anderson and Broad working their way through the New Zealand batting and Root and Stokes providing the principal partnership or the, the match-turning partnership uh, in, in England's second innings. Yes, folks, uh, obviously partnering with Root there, saw England home and that was that was a really excellent sort of move forward for Ben's, Ben Folks, but it was Stokes and Root who stabilised the situation and got England into a position where they could potentially win. Obviously, they didn't finish the job, but, we, you know, we've got to see that next generation, the, the Crawley, the, 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 the Pope, new players have got to start delivering, haven't they? And, uh, and, and taking on that responsibility. Play it now with Game Pass. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The other thing that came out from yesterday as well, I mean, there was, you know, Root was quite emotional as he walked off. It looked as though he might have had a tear in his eyes. He walked off and the crowd were cheering. The other thing to say as well is the extended applause for his 100, which also took him to 10,000 runs. I, mean, I don't think I've seen an applause last that long for 100 at Lords. Everyone's standing up and cheering and kept on going and going. Obviously, they came up on the board, 10,000 test match runs. But when... Joe Root came off. There looked to be a, a, a sort of bit of a tear in his eye, and he spoke afterwards, didn't he? He said he, he talked about the captaincy, and we we sort of suspected it, didn't we? That it was sort of we- wearing him down. Why wouldn't it wear you down when you've been so unsuccessful uh, for so long as a, a Test match team, and you've tried this and that, and you've taken on the Aussies several times, and it's, it's not worked out for you. You haven't been able to to win the series. He said he had an unhealthy relationship uh, with the England captaincy, and after West Indies, he went away and thought about it. And he realised that. You know, he wasn't just leaving it all at the ground. He was taking it home with him and it was affecting his family. I mean, I mean you'd be surprised if it, if it wasn't, if he wasn't taking it home with him and it wasn't affecting his family, actually, when you do it for that long and you are so unsuccessful. And No, I, I've seen, I mean, of course, and I, you know, I've seen England captains. I played with both Mike Brealy and Mike Gatting and you can see totally, even in those days, how much uh, the the captaincy wears a player down. Uh, so it's an all-consuming thing. You're Even when you're playing for your county, which obviously they don't now, but when you're away from the test team, there are phone calls, there are meetings, there's news circulating about certain players. There's, there's always some kind of issue bubbling around that they, they have to consider. By the way, one interesting thing I discovered was that... Uh, Ben Stokes wouldn't have taken the captaincy on if Root had been sacked. 
he waited until Root actually resigned and realised he couldn't do it anymore and then accepted the offer of the captaincy to replace him. But because they're so close, as fre- they're really good friends, Stokes and, and Root, and Ben never wanted to be the person who was sort of preferred to Root. He wanted to wait until Root had had enough and then he could take on the offer of the captaincy, but he never wanted it to be a sort of rivalry situation or uh, a pressurising route in any way. He, he, he didn't want to see Root sacked and then him being sort of promoted to the captaincy. And it, it, the, the, the word is, if Root had been sacked and Stokes had been approached, he would have re- rejected the offer of the captaincy. It was only... It was, so it was quite a kind of careful protocol required there to... I suppose, induce Root to resign or leave him to make his own decision and then, at some later point, approach Stokes with the offer of the captaincy. And obviously it's worked out well and they've handled it extremely well because there's no uh, hard feelings from either party and uh, England have started with a win. That's interesting, isn't it? So what would they have done if someone had to sack Root uh, sooner, sooner or later, and you know, if the new coach came and said, "Well, actually, no, we do need a change here," so Ben Stokes wouldn't have taken the job. Where, where would they have turned? Because I mean, I mean, everyone has said, isn't it, that, that Ben Stokes was the obvious and almost only choice. So they'd have they'd have had a, quite a big problem then if that that had been the case. Yeah, I mean, it would have been an interim, probably an interim captain, I guess, perhaps mm. a Stuart Broad for for a little while uh, to see how it went. And then, uh, you know, at some later point, perhaps Stokes would have felt that he could that he could yeah. take it on. Well, there we go. What about New Zealand, uh, Yoz? We talked a, a lot about England. New Zealand had winning chances in the game. England had winning chances. In the game. I, just, I don't. You know, normally in a Test match, a team these days. I mean, it happened a bit more in the past. I think where you get games that went to and fro. Often these days, a team takes control of the game, and they it's very hard to shake that control. Okay, they. It, it, you can loosen it a bit, but generally speaking, they go on and, and maintain their their grip of the match. This one was, I mean, re- I think a remarkable game in a way. And sometimes at stages, it felt like a sort of quite a low-grade game. I think it's certainly in the first uh, two innings of the match and, and sort of in parts of the, the second innings of, of both sides as well. But uh, it, it, was, it was up and down, up and down. Both sides had, had you know, more than one uh, winning position, I, I would say, in the game and, and, and squandered them. And then eventually, you know, Root was able to give England uh, their victory. What, what, what about New? New Zealand, uh, we we feel do we sense we sense they're not quite the side they were uh, this time last year when they world, won the World Test Championship. I mean, one thing we pointed out before the series started is their team's quite old. A lot of players in their thirties. I mean, that, that could be good anyway. You know, a lot of experienced players who know their game. Uh, Williamson struggling as well, perhaps as captain as well a bit, and and, and but certainly as a, a batter. And you know, there is, you look at that batting lineup. It's not it's not a stellar batting lineup, is it? The, the New Zealand lineup. It's solid. There's, you know, some good players in there. But you, you don't think, oh, I'm going to watch him and him and him uh, uh, play today. Uh, but you know, clearly, there are runs in that in that lineup, and they you know they've made the most of themselves. Brilliantly, you know, brilliant to win the, the World Test Championship a year ago. What sort of problems do you think they have, or do you think they could actually just come back and win the series? Because England are, although England won this game, there's enough. If you want if you want of a better word, enough flakiness in the England lineup for for New Zealand to exploit in the next two games. Well, there is that, that that's true. I think that the problems New Zealand have are firstly lack of preparation. That it, it's so difficult to play a Test match having had very little 
uh, Red Bull experience in that country. It's really difficult. And you come up against the, the masters of seamen swing like Jimmy Anderson and, and Stuart Broad, your, your likelihood of success is is massively undermined. And that's going to be the case at the second test in Trent Bridge, where, of course, Anderson, is uh, that's his uh, you know favourite ground. He, he wants to roll that pitch up and carry it around with him, really. It swings around as well, of course. So I, I don't see any kind of um, transformation in... New Zealand's batting, what they could do is make better use of their resources. I mean, obviously they were unlucky. They lost De Grande and they lost a, their fifth bowler, which I think was quite important. But they could have made better use of their other bowler, which was Patel, the left-arm spinner. Couldn't believe he only bowled two overs in the second innings. Admittedly, most of those two overs were to Ben Stokes and he hit him for two big sixes. But he never bowled... I think he only bowled one ball at a right-hander and Joe Root did a little paddle sweep for a single. But why he didn't use the spinner more, uh, just with two right-handers in on a fourth-day pitch or a third late third-day pitch. Uh, so I, I don't think uh, necessarily Williamson handled his bowling resources that well. Uh, there'll be a couple of changes in the team, clearly because of De Grondo missing out. But principally, they've got to make more runs. Their top order has to deliver. And that's going to be tough without the uh, preparation that they haven't had. And also, of course, missing Ross Taylor as well in the in the middle order, who was so much a, a sort of a, a trusted, reliable axis around which they could build their innings. Yeah, I mean, you could argue it both ways, couldn't you? In a way, you could say that New Zealand were... You know, you mentioned at the start, one one ball away, one unfortunate moment in that delivery to Ben Stokes away, possibly from winning the game. And then even then they might have gone on to win the game if, if de Granholm had stayed on the field. Because what it meant was that there was a big burden on the other bowlers. And Kane Williamson, he, he didn't go anywhere else. He just went with those three seam bowlers. He almost went to the well too much, perhaps. You know, they bowl a lot of overs. I got tired and they were unable to control England, especially on that third evening when that Root and Folk's partnership was beginning to uh, develop. So, you know, a couple of things went against them. You know, we've seen England take wickets off no balls as well. And, it, and, it is, and Ben Stokes did it in the Ashes, didn't he? First test in, in Brisbane when he had David Warner out off a no ball. He's so desperately frustrating and deflating, I think, for a fielding side. So, yeah, they weren't, they, they weren't far away. And actually, we, you know, we could be sitting here this morning talking a completely different story. It would have need something special for England to win mm. from 70-odd for five. And on another day, uh, you know, that's what would have happened. But that's all that sport in a way. You know, you know, there are so many fine margins, aren't there, in, in, in so many sports. So you, you think back to the Champions League final, uh, you know, everyone's, oh, well well played Real Madrid, but the, the, Chelsea, the Chelsea goalkeeper, the former Chelsea goalkeeper, Courtois, I mean, made one amazing save in the second half where it sort of hit his arm. Well, you know, another day that could have just brushed his arm and gone into the top corner. It could have been completely different, a bit, you know, a bit like the Bayern Munich-Manchester United game in 1999. Bayern played really well and United came back at the end and sort of, you know, it was a slightly freakish sort of victory. And, you you know, you can argue there were sort of elements of that uh, to England's win, but, you know, they still needed to produce that that outright quality in that stand between uh, Root and, and, and Ben Folk. So, you know, perhaps all is not, certainly all is not lost for New Zealand. There'll be enough to, enough to encourage them if things uh, go their way. Uh, at Trent Bridge, what, what, one thing they could do, and, and, and uh, you know, the, the fact that Patel 
didn't bowl very much makes you think we've talked about this before haven't we this idea that some pitches or you know a five seamer pitches people say oh you don't need five seamers it's too many you don't know when to, to bowl them all but actually in this game they'd have loved to have had Neil Wagner you know from the well during the game I would have thought wouldn't you or even even Matt Henry uh, mm. yeah Patel didn't but I, I know why they played Patel because I think there was a feeling the pitch was dry and you know they won the toss, and you think, well, wow, you know we we've got a spinner to bowl on the late on the fourth into the fifth day, but of course we didn't get that far because the batting in the first innings of both sides was particularly poor, and there was also some good bowling as well. So you can you can see how it happened to New Zealand, and I can sort of see why Kane Williamson didn't bowl Patel very much because he just thought my my bankers are my three main quick bowlers, you know, got a lot of test wickets and had a great deal of success. So you can sort of see what happened there, uh, but you know they would have loved that extra. A pace bowler. Yeah, it's, I, don't, I mean, England, what about what about England as well? I mean, they played a spinner. Parkinson picked up one wicket. Uh, Leach uh, out with concussion. Parkinson came in, and, and Parkinson's now been added for the the Trent Bridge Test match. We don't know whether Jack Leach is going to be fit to play. You don't know whether they're necessarily going to. You know, well, well, we'll go with Matt Parkinson. See where the, where that uh, takes us. Um, I mean, Parkinson didn't have a massive influence on the game either. So you know, both both sides picking a spinner early. You know, in, in early June. Uh, at Lords, um, where traditionally the pace bowlers have have held sway, spinners have had a bit of success, but generally pace bowlers have held sway in in recent years. Um, so, so what so what, what do you think England, New Zealand do? What do you think England do in terms of the spin department? Well, I, I mean, obviously they've got to bat better if they need a, if, if they're going to use yeah. a spinner, they have to bat longer and take the game into a fourth and fifth day. I think England will pick Leach if, if he's fit. I, I think, in, in fact, that all Parkinson proved to me was that was it illustrated why he hasn't got a game so far, really, because I just think he looks innocuous. Uh, if it's a raging turner on the fifth day, he might be very handy. But before that, I can't see him having much influence on, on a test match because he's too slow and he doesn't get enough bounce. Uh, and what either. and what would Leach's um, influence be so, earlier in the test match? They're just, just holding well, Leach, holding Leach has, has got control. Yeah. yeah, I mean, Leach can give you control, undoubtedly, and he's improving slowly. He's had a fair bit of bowling this summer. Uh, he, 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 he's not a massive turner of the ball either, but but he does give you a, a, a bit of control and, and he's got experience. And actually, he can bat as well. Uh, you know, he can hold mm. up an end, which... I, 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 looking at Parkinson's first-class record of an average of nine is even lower than Anderson. So I'm not saying that you pick a spinner because he can bat, but it, it helps if you can at least supply some kind of uh, doggedness uh, at some point down the order. So I, I think England will pick Leach if he's fit. I, I hope that New Zealand pick Patel because I think he's got something. He's I always love watching left-arm spinners bowl. England have got plenty of right-handers. If they can bat a bit longer, the New Zealanders at Trent Bridge, then the, the spinner will find some yeah. assistance. So, I, I would be inclined to keep him, but we'll see. I suppose it, it, it's all about the balance of the side, and I guess the conditions and what the weather forecast suggests. If it's overcast and a bit kind of clammy at Trent Bridge for Friday, Saturday, Sunday, the seamers are going to do most yeah, of the Yeah, I had a look at the, the long-range forecast because we don't quite know what it's going to be like when we get there. But it does look as if it's going to be similar sort of weather, sort of coolish, some dry weather around, a few showers, a bit of rain around as well uh, for, for all five days, actually. I think the first day is going to be okay, and then after that it's going to be a bit mixed. So whether the spinners uh, have, will have much influence there, I don't know. It might be 
best to go with all an all-seam attack. Uh, just on uh, you know, preparation, you talk about New, New Zealand not having a great deal of preparation. Because one player who did have good preparation, uh, Will Young at the top of the order, made a, a pair of ones. And, you know, he, he has been playing in county cricket. He made 100 for North Hants against Warwickshire. He made 96 uh, against Yorkshire, 63 against Essex. Uh, at the Oval, he made two and three against a, a decent uh, Surrey side. So, you know, it, it can go both ways. So perhaps, you know, someone like him, they, they you know, he, he is in the, essentially, I suppose, uh, rejigged it a bit. He's sort of Ross Taylor's replacement in a, in a way. Uh, they, they need more from someone like him, who someone who has had a, a lot of preparation. But he was uh, up against that new ball uh, attack of England, of, of Broad and Anderson, which has finished off um, many uh, top order uh, partnerships, you know, mm. in England and and especially at Lords, where the ball you know, does was does do a bit. I saw a bit of comment about the Lords pitch, um, you know, saying uh, if this if this had happened in in India, where teams have struggled in the first innings, you know, 130 plays 140, you know, everyone would be complaining about the pitch. What what did you think about the the, the surface at Lords? I mean, is, is it as much the conditions? I think I think it yeah. was fine. I think it was complete. I think it was a perfectly good. Test pitch it lacked a bit of pace. It, it wasn't flying through, was it, at, at any stage really? Uh, I, I think uh, if you, I think you just have to look at the quality of the bowling more than anything. I mean, Anderson's first spell on that first morning, six overs, five maidens, two mm. for four. Mm. I think it was a one one scoring shot, a clip through mid wicket, two wickets, both uh, excellent catches by Johnny Bairstow at slip, but. That spell just reminded everybody why Anderson has over 600 test wickets because he is brilliant with the new ball, especially uh, at Lords, somewhere where the, he, the, he can use the slopes to his advantage as well, make the ball move up the slope from the pavilion end so you don't know what to play and what to leave, can use the slope against the left-handers. A fantastic bowling. Uh, I, I defy anybody to know. I think I heard Alistair Cook saying on commentary he didn't he didn't know where he would yeah, have scored a run in that first first session. So uh, hats off to him again, and actually to to Broad too for that second inning spell where he he changed the game. Uh, he knocked over uh, uh, Daryl Mitchell. Then there was that sort of weird. Uh, incident with Colin de Grandon getting run out but it was a good delivery which asked a question rammed him on the pads could have been LBW probably was just missing and then knocked over Carl James and next ball uh, again you know those both those bowlers conformed to type Anderson absolutely peerless with the new ball and broad on a roll at a stage where the match was in the balance so more than the Lord's pitch, I just think you have to celebrate the return of Broad and yeah, Anderson. I, I don't think it was a, a bad pitch. I mean, there was there was there was a little bit of an even bounce, a few uh, cap low. The ball did a bit, and actually made it made for really interesting uh, Test cricket. Uh, it, it, sometimes I think if you're a top order player in a situation like that, you think oh, I wouldn't mind a nice flat one, nice belter somewhere like we've been having in county cricket. And the ball going soft. Uh, that that would help me out a bit, but you know, it, as you say, it's it's tough. And when you go to when you, it's funny, I think the start of the twenty first century, Lord's pitches got really flat, didn't they? But of late, the last few years, there's there's something in it for the bowlers. It, it does it does make it fascinating. And I I suspect Trent Bridge uh, will be similar with the weather that that we are expecting, and the the two bowling attacks, the two batting lineups, uh, and you know generally the overheads and the pitch at Trent Bridge. The thing is, I, I would say, you know, I don't know whether the Lord's pitches have changed that much in, say, 
15 to 20 years. I think it's more these seam bowlers are now equipped with more skills. They're, they're, they're brilliant at utilising anything. So the, obviously things like the wobble seam delivery or what Tim mm. Southie uses, the three-quarter delivery ball where he sort of holds a seam at a slight angle and makes it look like an outswinger and it nips back the other way. I think bowlers have, have become this group of, uh, of players who are sharing ideas or copying things from each other because more and more close-ups of delivery styles and obviously Hawkeye evidence of what those balls do as well. So, so that's one thing. Uh, bowlers sharing ideas and, and borrowing skills from each other. And also the round-the-wicket-to-left-handers ploy, which every bowler now, every faster bowler now uses. And they've realised from the, the statistics and the analysis over time that that has cut left-handers' productivity down massively as well. So I just think bowlers are becoming more, more cleverer and cleverer at utilising anything in pitches whether there's that much more in the pitch itself, I'm not sure. It's just they're very good at finding and maintaining uh, their threat. Final question, Yoz, before we say goodbye. Have England turned a corner? <laughs> I say no. that slightly tongue-in-cheek. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, they haven't. It's going to take a long time, as you and I have both been saying. But as just as losing becomes a habit, so does winning. And there's nothing better than tasting victory and whetting your appetite for more. But there's got to be more contributions from other team members other than the ones that we know are world class. Well, what it has done, I think that test match is whetted our appetite for the summer. We, I think we were looking forward to it already, you know, with a new era or new personnel in charge of, of English cricket. England uh, pulling one out of the bag in the end uh, by winning that test match. It looked extremely unlikely after a, a couple of days with New Zealand in a dominant uh, position. But all eyes now turn to uh, Trent Bridge on Friday for the second test match. And we will uh, report back and we'll uh, reflect on the first day's play on Friday evening. In the meantime, look out for my other podcast, The Barest of Margins, looking at fine margins that have been achieved by athletes in sport through science and technology and innovation. And this week, I've interviewed the nutritionist for the England team, Emma Gardner, talking about what you should eat as a cricketer and what they do eat and how hard it's been, but how successful it's been, to persuade players to adopt a slightly different attitude to their diet. So are those Lord's lunches actually good for you? I'll reveal all later in the week on the Barest of Margins podcast. Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? 
Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.